Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. Hello, today's topic is really a continuation of last week's episode um, in so many ways, especially as I was reading through my outline that I wrote prior to recording. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much that leads into what we talked about last week in our trust and com- trust and accountability episode. So if you haven't already listened, pop over there, check out um, the discussion. It was a bit longer than most of our episodes here, but I think it's such a foundation for the rest of February's episodes. We also talk a little bit about our format of having a different content theme each month that coincides with our newsletter. So if you ever miss an episode, just know that you'll have a on the up and up paradigm playback newsletter hitting in your inbox the last day of the month or close to it um, to make sure that you can get caught up on anything that you might have missed. So as we enter our second week of February, our second week of fake 2024, because January didn't count, um, and we celebrate Valentine's Day today, I just wanted to thank you for being here with me and listening. Um, If you are happening to listen on Valentine's Day, happy Valentine's Day. Um, And I think today's topic goes really well with the theme of communication because Valentine's Day is all about love and connection and stuff like that. And um, communication is not easy in those relationships. So let's go. (laughs) So just to give you a little bit of context, this episode is going to be speaking to a lot of questions that we get from employers or managers that are having a hard time feeling heard or feeling like their point is getting across in a remote environment. So first, we're going to start talking a little bit about internal communication and some of my best tips and tricks on how to establish a really solid internal communication system. Spoiler alert, it's Slack. Um, Second, we're going to talk a little bit about external communication and how that plays into your company culture as a whole. So this month, we're really focused on making sure that we have all the tools to build a company culture and use some tangible and tactical efforts to make sure that we're getting to that next phase. Um, But I wanted to point out my super cute Marin Costello hoops that I have in today. So on that note for Valentine's Day, um, I wanted to wear stuff that I love. And of course, I have my heart sweater, which you can't read or see. But if you are watching a clip, um, I also have this lovely Marin Costello ring, our entire team is obsessed with everything Marin. So you got to check her out. Um, Even though this is a podcast um, and you can't see it, it's still really, really cute. So I'm obsessed. Okay. Anyway, so here's my big thing with internal communication. So last week we talked a little bit about how as a leader, I felt so trapped and bogged down by the communication style and the, I guess we would call it 
standards that I had established early in my management career that were unsustainable. And so my unpopular opinion is that I never text my team about work ever. Anyone on my team, even in the business that I run with a team of managers and directors, if there is ever a work situation, it's coming from them. Um, generally speaking, I believe that unless your cell phone is an actual work phone, it's likely going to be something that should be considered your personal space. And one of the things that I found really difficult when I was diagnosed with PTSD as a result of burnout, I didn't go that far into it last week, but that's kind of a big component of all this, is that my phone became my enemy. I almost had developed a phobia of it. And so Paradigm's culture was built as a reaction to that experience. And burnout is no joke. It can go on for months and months. It can sometimes go on for years. It can lead to other health issues, including weight gain, depression, anxiety, um, even even fertility issues based on different chemical situations going on in your body and to be having it get to the point where I was then eventually diagnosed with PTSD, part of that was this phobia of my phone. Because I didn't have control over my personal life or my time, and I was constantly in fight or flight reactive mode. There was never a day or even maybe an hour that would go by that my phone wouldn't ring or have a text. And as a leader, all of those interactions with your team result in some type of action that you have to take, whether it's emergent to you or emergent to your team member. It usually requires something else going on your to-do list. And at those calls, and I mean, sometimes I would even get called at because of the hours of work. I would get phone calls at 4 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, and some of my team still has that happen. We've tried to reduce it and show the inappropriate nature of that type of quote-unquote emergency amongst our younger staff members that are just learning how to be responsible. Um, but I'm here to tell you that calling or texting someone at 4 in the morning on because you're not going to be able to make it, work, make it to work at 8 o'clock is not an appropriate way to show that you're taking the situation seriously. Um, so just keep in mind that... My opinion about this is really informed by my experience. And the way that I see our cell phones, unless you're another entrepreneur, um, is that they are an extension of your personal space. And so creating a meaning texting and calling and stuff like that, where you have you got you don't all, yeah, maybe your texts go off of notifications or whatever, but Nobody's leaving their texts unread for two or three or four days, you know, if they're not necessary. Um, it's also really difficult to manage team communication via text. Like I reply in my head all the time and never send one back. So it erodes the trust of your team because they don't know how to communicate with you in order to get a more prompt response. So now I didn't say that my team couldn't text me or call me, but I do not use that unless it's an emergency like, hey, I need this within the next five minutes and I think you stored it in the wrong place or something like that, um, which it, I mean maybe has happened twice in the entire time I've had Paradigm for four years. But I think that at the end of the day, I don't. I want people to understand that in a remote work environment, your physical space is intruded by your work. So being able to create 
boundaries and communication styles that are going to lend itself to making sure that your team can shut off and shut off completely is a burden that you have to bear as a leader. So while it is, you know, some people say, but it's just so easy to text. And it's like, well, yeah, but we're the entrepreneurs. We need stuff all the time. We're the bosses. We need stuff all the time. So being able to be thoughtful and articulate about where our attention is going at any specific time, I think is one of the ways that I think has really worked in our culture. You know, I get a text from my team if they need help with something and they know I may not be on Slack or, you know, whatever. Um, or I might get a text from my team about housewives or I might get a DM on Instagram from them about something. But I think that at the end of the day, if we're going to change the way that remote teams are taught to communicate, then we have to set the tone in a way that establishes that there are certain pieces of your life that should be quote unquote sacred. And I'm going to say that while I built my company culture, and I give Kylie a lot of credit for this because she's been there for so long and you all know her, um, and you or you can go listen to our podcast episode, which I, I think was really funny. Um, <laughs> it was just really important to me that my team, that I get to create this culture, never had those knee jerk moments or their pit in their stomach feelings when they're out to dinner or they get a text when they're at the movies or having to come up with excuses why you're not texting back at eight at night or, you know, whatever. Like I find myself even now thinking like wanting to explain if I don't text somebody back in time. Like it's like, I was at the movies. I'm so sorry. And it's like, no, that was all ingrained in me through this really bad cultural kind of it honestly there was just no real cultural threat at the time at that company. So it wasn't that it was a bad culture, but for me the way that I created the culture around me and my expectations was super harmful to my productivity and my mental health. So it was important to me that my team never had those feelings, especially because when we're in HR, things come up all the time that are considered emergencies, so to speak. And I guess a lot of times they are emergencies, but especially because we work with remote teams, I was really clear and specific that the clients I wanted to work with probably weren't going to be having these major issues when, you know, for workers comp claim on a Tuesday night at 11 p.m. or, you know, whatever the case may be. Those just aren't the companies that we're working with. So as a result of that, we're able to be fully present and 100% dedicated to our clients during the workdays. And I think that Slack has given that ability to a lot of different teams. So if you are already using Slack, a really good way to make sure that you are ensuring proper communication with your team is to make sure that you're using Slack effectively and that those expectations are set out. So we have one client that does a really great job with this. She's actually able to take her combo team of employees and part-time employees and full-time employees um, and have Slack be a, a method of communication based on their availability and capacity. So not every part-time employee is going to be clocked in all the time. So being able to use the Slack statuses to communicate that internally and externally, she created like a system of which statuses they were to use at which times um, so that they could basically make sure that they knew when they could get a response right away from a team member versus when there may be some kind of delay. Um, and one of my favorite things about that is that if you are able to kind of classify your time in that way, it's also a really helpful way to structure your day. So to be aware of where your time is going. So I thought about implementing something like that, but I just want to give a shout out to that client. Um, it's Lauren from Brand Good Time. I don't think she would care if I said that. Um, but she was really articulate in the way that she communicated these Slack statuses. And I thought that was really cool. 
Um, so while we, we use Slack, we are able to communicate effectively and also have our notifications off so that our team is free to work in an asynchronous way. And I think that one of the things that comes up a lot is that while structure does create friction in the way that you manage your team, it can also be very freeing. So being able to create a scenario where the structure of your management, the structure of communication, the structure of expectations for communication within your remote teams are really clear and straightforward. It's really hard to find that balance of like, are you micromanaging them or are you creating a structural environment that lends itself to productivity and clear communication? So I think the the fewer ways that you require an interaction in order to get an answer is probably the best way to approach communication. Um, for example, I don't want to have to ask Kylie if she's available um, right now to hop on a call if I can see that she has a meeting scheduled right now and then she might have some time after by looking at her calendar. So making calendars open to each other is really helpful too. But I neglect, you know, I, I don't think that's really a great idea because unless you have a culture where you own their time between X time and X time, it can be a little bit of a knee jerk feeling to be called into a meeting at the last minute. We have to do that sometime for sure. But it there's not that many cultures where it would be super welcome. You know, I know my friends who work in, in remote environments, even in corporate, they could be, you know, we could be meeting for lunch and then they have to bring, you know, get back on their laptop after an hour or so or whatever the case may be. And it causes a lot of stress. They never know when they're going to be called in or pulled into a Zoom meeting. And I guess that's okay. Sometimes I think it's a control mechanism for for leaders. Um, that is okay. But what it also does is it removes your team's ability to actually do any kind of deep focused work. So I think just keeping in mind that when you are creating your communication strategies and when you are actually implementing the type of communication that you want to see within your workplace, that you're considering the implications of some of the methods that you're putting in, in place. So I know that if you are able to we're all able to like send messages on Slack and, you know, have things be scheduled for later and stuff like that. Um, I've also heard people say, I'm not going to email my team after a certain time because I don't want to bother them. I'm going to schedule emails for tomorrow or whatever the case may be. I mean, I think that's really good. But when it comes to Slack, I feel like those things should just to encourage an asynchronous work environment, go ahead and send the slacks. Just don't expect a response until they're back online. And I think one of the ways that you can do that is you can send things out at whatever, whenever you're working and just make sure that when your team member does come back around or they respond or, you know, whatever, that you're not like, oh, I was wondering when you were going to respond to that, you know, like little things like that. Or if you need a response by a specific time, make it a habit to put in the Slack, especially if you're trying to build an asynchronous work environment, like, hey, this is semi-urgent. So if you could get back to me about this by the end of the day today, that'd be awesome. Or I have this meeting at two, you know, just wanted to ping, ping you over that, you know, this is coming up and I need the support or whatever the case may be. So I think being really clear and articulate so that not everything is this urgent thing that people need to pay attention to and that you're giving them permission to just deal with it later if it doesn't necessarily need to be handled right then and there. That way on the days or the times where they need something right away, then you can take it seriously. You might get a text from them if you're not online for Slack or whatever the case may be, or it's not your normal work hours. Like you, But you do as a leader have to be prepared to field those messages. But I think that one difference between the way that I was working before to the way that we're working with our remote team is that 
our team is very productive and they're also all adults that want to take accountability. And so they're going to think twice before they're like, well, I've only texted Kira about, you know, something other than housewives twice. I'm probably not going to text her this now just because I'm really interested in talking about it. So it kind of changes the the tone of send me everything that you need and be really clear about when you need that response. And that way, if I get a text from you, I look at it and it doesn't cause me any type of knee-jerk reaction. I know that if they need me, they need me. And it's not something that's happening constantly. So my cup is full. It's ready. It's there to be supportive and helpful. Whereas the previous situation I was in, which you can read or listen to on the other episode, was just these like constant things coming in and out that never gave me a chance to refill my cup that I could pour from. So being a leader wasn't even possible for me in a lot of these situations. It wasn't natural and it wasn't authentic because I was just trying to survive myself. So to me, that was really what was important is that I was able to identify what was work time without necessarily creating schedules for my team. So given that I started this business while having a full-time job, it the asynchronous environment was exactly what I wanted to build. Now that I work for Paradigm three to four days a week, my team knows when I'm available. They know when I'm not. They know when each other's available. They know when each other's not. Um, they make their own schedules. They use their own time. Um, but we're just really clear when things are supposed to be, when they're a little bit more urgent or a little bit more important. And we're very clear on what's appropriate to be considered something that you might intrude on somebody's personal space in order to get solved. So now when I say that I want to protect my space as much as my team's, that is true. But I find that protecting my team space actually lends itself to the same type of treatment coming back to me. So being able to create that culture intentionally through communication norms, I think has been really great. So I know we've all seen those memes that are like, I'm a millennial manager, blah, blah, blah. But it's because a lot of us have trauma. We have stuff that's happened to us that we've learned from. And that's really where my opinions come from is like specific incidences and situations. Um, so when my team isn't working, I want them truly not working. If they get a text from me, which is, like I said, basically a version of someone intruding into your time and space. Um, as a boss, I think it's really important to to consider that role because your presence alone is a different feeling than even friends or family members. Um, if we all have those family members that have sent us into a flight or flight mode, you're at you as a boss are that person. So just consider that you want to be extra, extra careful, even if your team member's like, no, no, it's totally fine. It's okay. Go ahead and text me. Like, I think that there are some things that we can build into our culture that it's kind of like, I'm going to treat you the way that I want to be treated. And I think it works as such. So, and I would highly recommend that you are creating a professional environment where you're not getting texts all day and night. But in some situations, I'm sure that that's really important. So like our clients don't even have my phone number with the exception of a few. And those clients don't use it for work purposes. You know what I mean? Like it's not necessarily like I know that the clients that have my phone number are also basically have become friends. And when I'm getting a text from them, I'm not sent into flight or flight because they want to talk about Vanderpump. So I think it's really important to to consider who how your role plays internally as like a boss. And then next we'll kind of talk a little bit about that external. Um, and I also want to make sure that my team isn't forced to go into work mode if they're working from a coffee shop or out to lunch with a friend or, you know, whatever. Um, one of my team members goal this year is to be more present. And I think that one way that we can help our 
my uh, that I can help my employee be more present is to make sure that they're allowed to have this async schedule that we talk about. And that means not doing things that are unnecessary that are going to pull them out of their current experience. It's important to me that when I send a text, it's about something non-work related unless it's an emergency because it's important to allow your employees to retain complete freedom when they're not clocked in or, you know, doing work time. It's also not legal. So this is the last thing I'll say about this. It's not legal to have people on call at all hours of the day. So yes, of course, if you have an exempt full-time employee, technically they can be contacted at all hours of the day. If you have a part-time employee that or something like that, technically they can be contacted, but they can't be expected to work during those hours. So if you're sending a message to an employee that's like, hey, we had somebody call out sick, can you run this orientation tomorrow? and it's after work hours, that's totally different than, hey, uh, I need an answer to this question immediately while they're like having dinner with their spouse. You know, those are two totally different conversations. So being able to make sure that you're also legal and compliant in the communication that you have with your team is super important. So if you do decide to utilize that method of texting or whatever the case may be, just make sure that you are making it legal, that you're doing it in a way that's appropriate, that it's building something in addition to how in like adding something to your culture and it's not taking away from the experience that you want your teams to have. Um, and you might need to have, if you won't need to contact them at any random time throughout the day, then you might need to be paying their phone bill. So that's something to consider as well. This is all to say that my team not may not feel this way about it. They may not care if I text them. I've actually had multiple of them being like, yeah, sure, text me. I don't care. And it's like, no. Um, but I believe that this is a standard that businesses of all sizes should adopt, especially if we're going to practice what we preach and create asynchronous and flexible work environments and not just kind of this like bait and switch where we're having people come into our flexible work environments just to be kind of bait and switched into an environment where you're never not working. However, if my team has an emergency, they know they can text me at any time. My role is to support them, to facilitate great work, and to serve our clients. That's ideally what I need to be doing every single day. So like I said, it's only really happened twice where there's been some emergency that I was needed for um, in the last four years. And I kind of like... I don't think it's like a positive or a negative. Like I think if my team needed me outside of work hours or to text me for stuff, um, it wouldn't be like, I'm so proud of them. They never need me. So I don't even want to create that narrative. It's more so along the lines of like how we've built things within our systems to make sure that everyone has what they need when they need it and that nothing's that serious. You know, like we don't have the podcast edited on time or the intro got messed up or something or you need to re-record this or something like that. Okay, we publish it a few hours later. Like let's not all like go wild about it. Like we want to do our work. We want to do it well. We want to do it on time. And having that expectation of your team is totally fine. But I think setting up that mutual respect for people's personal time through the method that I've used has made a difference in the quote unquote emergency contact situation. And I don't I I don't think that my team hesitates to reach out if they need to. They probably didn't even realize this was something that um, what's going on because really it's not going to change. You you may say like, text me if it's an emergency and we do build that into our clients' company policies all the time. But, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that anything is that important. And by creating Slack or other methods as a primary means of communication kind of makes your team think twice about how they should be utilizing you when they have you. Um, so I think it's something to consider. 
Okay, so then just a brief note on external communication. So while Slack's been a great tool for ensuring focused work time without having to inconvenience yourself, you can even schedule later messages or whatever, we prefer to use Slack as a communication guideline that so that we don't actually live in our email inboxes. So our consulting services are even adjusting to ensure that the scope creep we sometimes experience, you know, like, I have a quick question, I have a quick question, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's the point. We're consultants. You always have a quick question. So we sometimes experience that 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 kind of interaction and it's tough because we really care about our clients but also like there's a lot of research and time and effort and education that goes into being able to give you that quick answer so we found that email isn't quite as effective for the type of consulting we provide there's a lot more nuance and there is a very specifically limited scope to what our clients are paying for so answers to HR questions are almost always it depends and I know that attorneys and finance people are definitely going to agree to this shout it from the rooftop it's rooftops it's definitely it depends on any type type of question that you have. But what I do want to say is that that same method of creating autonomy and accountability within our team has also lent itself to how we have adapted our consulting services to make sure that we are putting our paying clients first and foremost. And while I do, you know, the team is expected to check their email, it's not even something that I care about that much. Like if they go a couple of days without checking their email, it's likely going to be, I mean, in some cases, it's likely not going to be that big of a deal because all of our paying clients are within the Slack communication guideline. So now occasionally we'll get an, a client or something like that that doesn't use Slack and they prefer to communicate over email, in which it's a different, in which case it's a different situation. But even then, we do educate the clients on like, this is how we primarily communicate. So if we're doing a different system to adapt to you, it's going to feel a little bit different than our other clients. So we want to be service first. We want to be service oriented. We want people to feel comfortable and not judged when they're coming to us with questions. So by establishing those thorough and clear communication styles on an external perspective, that has been such an interesting way to kind of play with the way that we're making profit off of our services and also the amount of time it takes to answer those quick questions in email. You'd think it would be like, you know, quick five minute thing, but most of the time it eats up hours of our time. So at the end of the day, if we're taking the pressure off of our email inboxes and putting it into a place where we can actually control and manage the flow of communication and the level in which we're providing information in a really professional way, that's also one of the reasons that I stopped using Voxer because it's really hard to track when you, how much you're using it, when you're using it, when people are responding, when you have to get back to it to share documents. It was just a, you know, HR is a professional service, just like legal. So being able to have a place where we could really track the work, especially at a scalable level, is by putting it all in a consistent place that all of us can reach out and have access to. So because we don't always have the same culture in our client relationships, it's our job as leaders to ensure communication norms and experiences and expectations aren't in direct conflict with the way that we communicate internally. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if our company, for example, has a client that has a really different culture than ours and they expect responses within two hours or whatever the case may be, it's our job as leaders to make sure that we are creating a relationship with that client and setting the expectation because we are not an internal team. We are an external team. We are consultants. 
legally, you can't tell us how and when to communicate. That's the whole employee contractor conversation. But regardless of that, we we don't usually have issues with this at all. But at the end of the day, making sure that we're creating a culture within our clients that is reflective of our culture as a team is a much easier way to get things done because then you're not requiring your team or me or anyone to code switch because there's you're not turning into a different person when you're talking to this client or you're not approaching it from a different perspective when you're talking to this client. So being able to kind of have that really clear and established guide and that culture guide that guides the communications of your team to make sure that the services that you're providing is really an extension of your company culture. Um that's going to that's going to be a really direct impact of having a really strong brand foundation and a really strong internal company culture. So that external client voice, you want to make sure that it's not totally in conflict with your internal client voice or your internal communication, because you really do need to be able to have some time and training and open discussion where your culture can be represented through the interactions that you're having with your clients. And it helps build useful and helpful boundaries along the way to be able to understand the limits of both what look what it looks like to work with you as you know what it looks like to work with your team what it comes to expect one of the greatest compliments we can get from clients is that we were great listeners and they felt that they could bring us things and it was non-judgmental and yes compliance was great but also learning how to develop themselves as a leader along the way by just really meaningful conversations that is all because we're we may be hopping off our team call where we're also having a really meaningful conversation and we feel that trust and we have that open communication then we can hop in with a client and really carry over that culture I think it's really important that businesses start to see the link between your internal company culture and the way that your clients perceive you. And finding those dream clients is not just about your brand voice value and voice and values, but it's also about the way that those values really seep into the cultural communication of your team. So on that note, we do have some fun services that are coming up along along the lines of building out culture guides for teams and making sure that your brand guide and your brand voice is really aligned with what's going on with your internal culture. So stay tuned for that. Um, anyways, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. It made you think a little bit and I'd love to hear agree or disagree on my unpopular opinion. Um, and just little things about how you communicate with your team, whether it be in a five-star review or shooting me a voice memo on Instagram, I live for it. Um, so thanks again for listening to the episode and I hope you have a wonderful Valentine's day and I love you. 